Welcome to the Smarter Healthcare Podcast, where we meet the brightest minds transforming healthcare with your host, Kathy Susich. Welcome to episode four of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. I'm glad you're joining us for this episode on electronic health records and physician burnout. My guest today is Dr. Ted Milnick, Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine and Director of the Clinical Informatics Fellowship at Yale School of Medicine in New Haven, Connecticut. Ted and his colleagues recently published research on the association between EHR usability and burnout among physicians. And the results, while they probably won't surprise you, do provide some food for thought. Here's our conversation. All right, so Ted, your research focuses on the relationship between EHR usability and physician burnout. Let's start with the usability part of your research, and it looks pretty dismal. Can you explain what you and your colleagues found? Sure. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Kathy. Um, I think you're referring to our recent publication in Mayo Clinic Proceedings on the Association of um, Physician-Perceived Electronic Health Record Usability and Professional Burnout Amongst U.S. Physicians. So um, we surveyed a nationally representative sample of physicians uh, as part of a larger survey on physician wellness work-life integration and burnout and uh, had a random subset reply to a sub-survey on electronic health record usability. And um, so what we were specifically asking them is uh, their impression of the EHR that they use most in their clinical practice with a standardized uh, measure of technology. We use the system usability scale, which um, is kind of a interesting resource uh, or interesting measure to uh, apply to the EHR because I don't think it's really been done at scale like that in the healthcare industry, but it's been around for uh, a long time in other industries. And because it's been around and it's quick and and simple and um, well accepted in other industries, we can compare uh, system usability scale scores um, for the EHR to uh, scores for technologies in other industries. And I think that got a lot of traction and attention uh, because we were able to really put a number on what physicians uh, are feeling about their EHR user experience um, in a pretty global sense, and then also to benchmark that number uh, to other industries. So um, the, the one of the interesting pieces of feedback that uh, I've gotten since this has been published is, oh yeah, this is not a surprise at all. Um, so it's, it's not that groundbreaking. Uh, to see this number, this is what we've been thinking and saying all along, but now we have a number that we can, you know, show and then also, again, benchmark and compare to other industries. So we have a figure where we took data from uh, studies of other technologies and, um, you know, showed where the EHR usability score was using the system usability scale amongst physicians and then compared to uh, other everyday technologies, including a Google search a microwave oven, Amazon, and uh, you know several other things, but also some of the common uh, Microsoft Office applications around their Word and Excel. And apparently, not surprising um, as a physician myself, maybe not that much of a surprise either. Uh, the EHR uh, ranks quite below uh, other everyday technologies. I think this is for a variety of reasons. There's certainly a lot of confounding here, and potentially even. We may have taken liberties with how to use this scale, uh, but again, it, it, it really did seem to get a lot of attention and ring true for uh, physicians using the EHR. So I think we uncovered 
a truth, but there's also still quite a bit to unpackage in terms of, you know, why the number is so low. Um, one of the more common things that um, people will tell you EHR usability gets confounded with is um, clerical burdens that are uh, placed on the physician for administrative purposes that are actually unrelated to the usability of, of the electronic health record software itself. Uh, so if for uh, billing for my services as a physician, I need to click a bunch of boxes, for example, um, that's not necessarily the EHR's fault. The EHR is just the vehicle for the, that box clicking. Though technology could potentially be used in other ways to capture some of that structured data that wouldn't place all that burden on the physician, or uh, there may be other ways that a office based practice or a care team would distribute um, some of that burden so that the physician would have uh, less um, clerical pieces to do with the EHR and have more time with their patients. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, a lot of this is that the EHR really is getting in the way of doctors and patients communicating. And to give our listeners a sense as to just how bad EHRs fared, um, Microsoft Excel was pretty dismal in what you found, but EHRs had an even lower score than Excel did. Yeah. So the system usability scale is on a scale of zero to 100, but these are actually not percentiles. This is based on responses to 10 questions. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is because it's been used in so many different studies, uh, it now has a grading scale associated with it. There's an adjective scale, an acceptability range. There's also percentiles across other studies. So to put this in context a little bit, uh, Microsoft Excel and the EHR are both in this F grade scale in terms of where their scores are. Uh, but across industries, uh, Excel's score of 57 actually puts it at about the 25th percentile of technologies that have been reported in the literature, whereas the EHR score of 45 is actually at about the ninth percentile. So even though it's a 12-point difference on the scale, um, to go from 45 to 57 would be a huge leap and would be a huge win for doctors, um, I think, in terms of that comparison. And again, it also speaks to what how these technologies differ because uh, Excel is here to say, stay, EHRs are here to stay. They do provide a very important uh, service in terms of uh, what they do, um, how functional and reliable they are, but they're quite complex. And uh, some of that complexity could potentially, I think, be improved upon with, with better uh, formative usability testing and iterative uh, improvements in design. Um, so looking at the figure from our paper, uh, comparing the EHR to a Google search or a microwave, uh, I've heard a lot of people say it's, it's pretty unfair because like a Google search is just one box and it's really easy to figure that out. But I mean, Google is still amazingly powerful. So the fact that they were able to put so much technology behind that one box uh, think of the possibilities if the EHR had some something close to that. Um, and, you know, again, uh, there certainly is in this uh, scoring system uh, simplicity versus complexity um, across the spectrum. So EHRs uh, provide very complex um, services and, and uh, capabilities that, uh, it may be really like a pipe dream to ever think we'd get as high as, say, a microwave mm -hmm. uh, in, for the EHR, but making small uh, improvements, I think, would still go a long way. 
Now, there are some specialties in your research that had higher EHR usability scores than others. Do you have any thoughts as to why that was the case? Yeah, I hesitate to draw too many conclusions about this data because, it, you know, as we kind of narrow down on individual specialties, uh, I don't know that we're really powered to draw uh, firm conclusions that, you know, the ones at the top versus the ones at the bottom really are at the top and bottom. Um, we did lump some of the specialties that had a smaller number of respondents into this other category. So, you know, looking at these raw scores of anesthesiology, pediatrics, pediatrics subspecialties at the top, and then dermatology, orthopedic surgery, and general surgery at the bottom, I'd, I'd like to say that we can make the conclusions that, yes, this is, speaks to some truth about these different specialties. Uh, but at the, the end of the day, it would be my conjecture. I, I don't really have any data that, to back it up. Um, some of the interpretations that I've heard, and again, uh, I would take these with a grain of salt, is that anesthesiology, I'm not an anesthesiologist, so I don't pretend to know what their EHR experience is like, um, maybe easier to uh, show, you know, over the course of a single uh, surgical procedure, how you, how you document things. Uh, pediatrics, um, pediatric patients in general, uh, for the most part, tend to have less complex issues than complex medical cases. Could that mean that uh, it's easier to document and do a chart review? I don't know. And then um, I don't really know as much, again, about dermatology, orthopedic surgery, general surgery down at the bottom of our figure, but uh, when I did present this at a national meeting, there was an orthopedic surgeon who, you know, raised their hand and said, yes, we've been saying this for so long. And um, they didn't really give a great explanation for it. But knowing like the orthopedic doctors that I interact with in my clinical practice as an emergency doctor, uh, they spend so much time uh, doing bedside procedures to then um, translate that into computer work is, I think, a bigger disconnect, right? Um, so in the emergency department, you know, we do some procedures. We also do some kind of more medical history and physical diagnostic evaluation. And there's the ability maybe to document as you go. Whereas if you're just a more procedural specialty uh, and you're spending a lot of time doing that procedure, but you need to then go back to a computer and document everything that you did, uh, I could make a case that that would be, you know, a little bit of a clunky transition from the actual work that you're doing versus how you're interacting with the computer. Now, were there any other findings in terms of EHR usability that stood out to you, either physician age, gender, any other variables? So we did have um, on our sub-survey a sub uh, slightly larger response rate uh, by women, um, but we didn't really see any differences in terms of how um, they reported their EHR usability. I believe that from other um, burnout surveys, we, we studied burnout as well, that uh, female physicians tend to have a, a slightly higher rate of burnout. I could be wrong though, I'm the EHR guy not the burnout person. Um, so just in terms of, of uh, how to interpret that. Also, we did see um, that Adjusting for age, uh, there there were some changes in EHR usability that you know as you got older, uh, you were more likely to have um, to rate your EHR lower in terms of its usability, uh, which is is kind of consistent with uh, just computer um, literacy, I suppose. Um, that younger people have been around technology 
their entire lives and, and uh, you know, being someone who's kind of on the cusp and didn't grow up with a computer and, you know, email really only came about as I was starting college. Um, I, I can sort of get that, you know, that somebody who was older than me and, and started uh, using a computer in, in college or later might have more trouble picking up an EHR mid-career, whereas uh, younger doctors who maybe, um, you know, had email and, and internet throughout childhood uh, would more easily transition to electronic health record and probably have trained uh, on an electronic health record either in medical school or, or their residency. Now, we often hear this statistic that physicians spend one to two hours with an EHR for every one hour of patient care. Why so much time? Is there something that's particularly unusable about EHRs? Yeah, so that, that's a, a good question and one that I think is a little difficult to unpackage because, again, for, for this particular piece of research, we didn't really hone in on the individual um, contributors here, uh, and there is the, uh, the, the idea that there's a lot of confounding, again, with uh, clerical burden of documentation. So a lot of that time, uh, maybe kind of pointing your finger at the EHR as the culprit when indeed it's a billing or compliance issue in some other way for mm -hmm. like a, a quality measure that uh, there's a necessity to um, to document um, certain things in a certain way and, and that that uh, requires, you know, a lot of um, the physician's time. Now, um, that said, specifically speaking to usability, uh, I think that we still have a ways to go to improve the usability that certainly could make inroads on this, but um, at the same time, approaching some of the documentation burden and requirements would also go a long way outside of, you know, what the EHR technology itself has to offer. But um, speaking more specifically on, on the EHR usability side, I think we're in a time that is somewhat predicted by how EHRs were rolled out over the last decade. So there was this large amount of federal incentive money as part of the uh, Recovery Act in 2009, it's called the High Tech Act, to adopt EHRs into clinical practice and physicians and hospitals had financial incentives to do so. And we saw a huge um, jump in the amount of um, EHRs in, in doctor's offices and, and hospitals as a result of this. And because it was uh, money that would expire, incentive money that would expire, the EHR vendors who um, were able to bring a comprehensive, functional, reliable product to market and scale it out across health systems, you know, wanted to, to take advantage of, of that as well at the expense, I think, of not taking as much time as they could have to really let things happen a little bit more organically and, and fo focus on usability and workflows and, and needs of, um, of doctors and patients and other members of the care team. So to, to really build um, software that supports users' needs, it, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're rushing to uh, get an incentive to, uh, you know, put a functional, reliable system in place, uh, I think that that process was probably cut short and um, could have been done, you know, more 
carefully and thoughtfully and allow allowing more time again to engage users understand their needs and build for those needs uh, but given the short timeline that didn't really happen over those initial years of adoption and now that ehrs are adopted uh, i think that's starting to happen um, but there's a um, sentiment amongst physicians that their voices aren't being heard and uh, that maybe that's not happening to the degree that they'd like it to happen. Um, and part of that, again, I, I think looking at how EHRs um, have been adopted is that the uh, users of the EHR who are often you know, doctors and patients aren't necessarily the ones who purchase the software. So like in a large healthcare system, uh, somebody signs on the dotted line and says, we're going with this vendor. Um, and if the user is frustrated with it, their voice uh, is not part, necessarily part of that purchasing power. Um, if you think about like an app on your phone, if you were frustrated with the usability of it, you'd delete the app, you'd go find a different one. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of this uh, financial model, uh, there's that distance from the, the end user's voice. And um, I like to think that the number that we place on EHR usability gives a little bit of a voice to the physicians to say, hey, we're frustrated and this is why and here's where we're at. Right. Now let's take a look at physician burnout. So we've all heard that physician burnout is worsening. Just how bad is it right now? So that's actually a, a good question. Uh, I think it, it, we, we hear it's ver uh, that it's worsening. We hear that, that um, physician burnout is worsening, but I think also at the same time, it's getting a lot of attention and I'm cautiously optimistic. It's actually leveled off and may even be improving. Uh, I think it's a little too early to say. So the study team that I work with on, on this paper is the, the big burnout research team that's been doing this for years. And I, um, you know, kind of joined just for this one uh, piece on, on the EHR side. Uh, but they've had a survey that goes out to a nationally representative sample of physicians every three years. So their first one went out in 2011, then 2014, and this one was actually 2017. Um, and the 2011 survey, uh, which was reported in 2012, got a lot of attention because uh, they, they showed where physician burnout was. And for all of these studies, they also compared physicians to uh, other U.S. workers across other um, industries. So in, in that 2011 survey, they showed, okay, uh, burnout rates are pretty high, around 45%, and they're a lot higher than uh, the general population. I want to say high 20s in terms of the percentage. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Then 2014 rolls around, and they issue another survey, and the burnout rate actually takes a big leap. It was in the, the low 50s, I want to say 54% mm -hmm. on the 2014 survey. And um, the general U.S. workforce surveyed them again, things stayed stable. Uh, what was interesting is this 2017 survey that the EHR subsurvey was a part of, um, they wanted to look at some of the big contributors to burnout or potential contributors to burnout. That's why they included um, our, our scale. Uh, to start to hone in, okay, well, what is the contribution of the EHR versus other pieces? And um, what was interesting, though, is that the actual burnout rate across the physician population kind of went back down towards where it was back in 2011. So we saw a big blip, and now we're maybe getting close to where we were, uh, you know, close to a decade ago. So maybe some of the 
interventions that are in place are helping. Maybe it's, um, you know, we're just more aware of it. Uh, it could also just be a measurement error. Uh, but I think that there's, it's been a very uh, unique and tumultuous time uh, in healthcare in terms of, you know, Affordable Care Act being enacted, uh, shifts in markets, uh, in terms of consolidation of practices, small private practices getting, you know, bought out by larger health systems, and then the you know, EHR being adopted, that big transition. Um, so in terms of those pressures, uh, I think that's what's probably coming to light in terms of, uh, and why we're seeing uh, such high levels of burnout in the physician population. Uh, and just you know, when we talk about the clerical burden, that that always seems to be ratcheted up and, and, you know, with reimbursements declining, that physicians are constantly trying to be more and more productive as they become members of a, a larger health system as opposed to a private practice. Uh, they feel that they no longer have as much control over their practice. And um, a, as a result, you know, of, of that day-to-day -day, um, work context or feeling uh, burnt out, which, you know, includes a sense of emotional detachment and exhaustion. Now, was there anything in particular that the research found about the relationship between those people who reported low EHR usability scores and physician burnout? Yes. So we found a very tight relationship between how somebody rated their EHR and their likelihood of also being burnt out. Now, keep in mind, this is all self-reported data. So um, you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. It's, it's cross-sectional. So we can't necessarily make a conclusion that this is a causative relationship, that um, if your EHR is not usable, then you're burnt out. We're not saying that. Uh, what we can say here is that there's a strong association, and that association we actually went so far as to say is a dose-response uh, relationship because really the odds of um, being burned out uh, was almost linear in terms of uh, how people were reporting their EHR. So if I report my EHR, you know, right at that uh, median score of 45 and my rate of burnout is, um, you know, commensurate with that, if I then go to 46 uh, and say my EHR is just a little bit better on this 100-point scale, the odds that I'm burnt out actually goes down by 3%. So, um, and similarly, you know, kind of marching along, um, we have a, a figure that, that kind of shows the raw data. This is a data where we adjusted for other things that could have been contributing to why you said you were burnt out or how you, um, you know, reported your EHR's usability. So we adjusted for age, gender, medical specialty, practice setting, hours worked, and number of nights on call per week. And we still saw this relationship um, and with a really tight um, st statistical significance uh, in terms of, of uh, how that relationship exists. So it's an odds ratio of 0.97, which is pretty close to one, but the confidence interval was, you know, barely budged around that. And the p-value we only reported out, um, you know, to 0.001 because that's consistent with the journal, but it was actually like a zero with, I think, 10 or 11 zeros on it before the one. So it was a really tight relationship in terms of how people responded to this. Uh, could it be that burnt out 
physicians just uh, also say they don't like their EHR, that's possible. Uh, but you know, if we could get physicians to feel better about their EHR, uh, based on our sample, it looks like they would also probably feel less burnt out. Now let's talk about how we go about fixing this. And I want to look at this from a few different angles. So first, mm -hmm. are there steps that the individual provider should take to improve his or her EHR experience? Yeah, so I mean, I always hesitate to start with the individual because I think a lot of the issues here are system level mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, the, the uh, system, systemic causes of burnout and then the uh, system-driven issues with the EHR. That said, though, there is some pretty compelling data out there that a lot of frustrations with the EHR can be fixed with better proficiency at the individual level. Uh, and it's really a challenge to figure out how to do this well. Uh, there's a um, private organization out there called the Cl Class Arch Collaborative that goes in and um, collects data on individual hospitals and um, tries to give them resources for improving proficiency uh, at the individual level. And they find that, you know, amongst, um, amongst the hospitals that they work with and, and how they survey them, they don't use the same standardized surveys that we do, but uh, amongst those uh, hospitals, that hospitals that have the exact same EHR, the exact same build, uh, if there's better proficiency training of their physicians, that they're much more likely to uh, be satisfied with the usability of their EHR. Uh, so how do we get there though? Um, I, I think that that still is a little bit controversial uh, and difficult because physicians, we know they're burnt out, they're busy, they're, they're already stretched thin. How do you actually um, give them the resources that they need to increase their proficiency? Uh, and, and I think that remains a challenge uh, for you know, small practices as well as large health systems to um, even make small changes to the proficiency of their physician workforce right? Um, so, with respect to EHR. So it sounds like the hospitals and health systems need to invest in training. Is there anything else in particular that they should be doing? Uh, in terms of EHR usability, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that's a piece of it, but the fact that um, proficiency remains pretty elusive, I, I, I still stand by the recommendation that um, we have a long ways to go with the usability of the EHR itself. If, mm -hmm. uh, if it's so hard to get somebody to be proficient, that I think that's a reflection of the complexity and probably the underlying usability challenges to the user experience. So um, actually making inroads with that though, I think is gonna take a lot of time and resources and people and processes. Uh, it's certainly starting to get attention. Um, but what does this really look like for U.S. healthcare? Um, if we look to other industries, um, it's really this usability maturity model is the way that it's been described that takes decades where you go from not even acknowledging that usability is something that can change to a point where you start to acknowledge and work on it and then becomes part of the strategic mission uh, at the company level and what is the company level in healthcare? Does that mean the vendor who's selling the EHR? Or does it, that mean, um, you know, a healthcare system that's implementing an EHR? And I think some of those uh, pieces haven't been fully realized that it probably lies on the shoulders of both, right? Like the EHR vendors are already starting to acknowledge this and invest more in usability so that they can retain 
their customer base and continue to improve their product, which is difficult because that means changing it and people get used to things and then changing what they're already used to, even if it's clunky, uh, takes a lot of adjustment at the individual level. But then also on the, the health system side uh, or you know a practice that's implementing the EHR, what, what do they need to do from a, an implementer's standpoint to be strategic about usability? And, and personally, looking at other industries, I think that they probably need to invest a lot more uh, time, people, resources, processes in that. We just don't know exactly what that looks like for healthcare yet. Now, are there certain things that the EHR vendors should be doing differently to improve that usability? That's a really good question. So, and I think that's one where there's probably another disconnect. So it was really interesting. Our paper came out in November and we put this system usability scale score at, um, at 45 for, um, for EHRs uh, as reported by physicians. Now there are certification processes where vendors are actually required to report their uh, usability um, for their uh, product using standardized cases and a standardized approach. And interestingly, uh, there was a paper that came out the following month um, in JAMA uh, written by uh, Raj Ratwani and, and uh, a member of his team, sorry, JAMA Open um, in December, where they actually took the vendor reported uh, system usability scores uh, across over time between two years and across a bunch of different vendors. And the, the median score for the vendors is they reported their usability score was 75. So uh, that's a huge divide in terms of where physicians say things are and where vendors say things are. And um, the vendors definitely, you know, did this testing in controlled environments and probably with very limited focused workflows to say, okay, if I'm going to do this one little task in this particular piece of software, um, how easy is it to do so? And I, I think that's the reason why their numbers were higher. Again, um, our way of just asking globally, what do you think of your EHR? Uh, the, the number that we got, I think, is a reflection of what it's actually like to use the EHR in clinical practice, whereas the vendor-reported scores are, you know, what, it, what it's like to do a small task in a controlled environment. So how do we bridge that divide on the vendor side? I think it would actually be beneficial to, for the vendors to start to think about what is it like for a, a real user to use a real product in the real world as opposed to what is it like for a test user to use an idealized product in an idealized environment and then to start to understand the context and build for that context and understand the user and their needs better and build for those needs. Now, are there any other technologies or processes that you think will help ease the burden on physicians? So in the short term, um, in terms of other technologies uh, that I think could enter and disrupt versus long-term processes um, that could you know, improve existing products, I think there's, there's two schools of thought and ways to approach this is maybe the, the EHR as it currently exists is kind of the platform that you put better technologies in place on top of to make it easier for physicians to um, work with, with this uh, product and, and to, you know, continue to be doctors as opposed to, um, you know, data entry clerks. So um, there's new technologies for 
uh, voice recognition, as well as um, scribing both in person versus like virtual asynchronous scribing that uh, we're already beginning to see in our health system at Yale uh, really decrease that burden quite a bit. I think voice recognition is going to be around the corner, uh, but certainly not ready for prime time yet. Uh, if you can imagine, you know, like the Alexa or Siri of healthcare, uh, there's a lot of obstacles between now and, and getting something like that functional and in place and working, but uh, it's, it's certainly on the horizon. Um, in terms of processes, again, uh, leveraging other members of the care team to help uh, remove some of the documentation burden, uh, team documentation, team order entry, scribes to some degree, although the fact that we need scribes, I think, is still a reflection that the products are really not meeting uh, users' needs. And um, the, the other, you know, big piece in terms of technologies that may kind of live on top of the EHR is there's emerging uh, data standards that will allow um, the functional equivalent of an app store for health technologies, where you can actually have uh, apps that um, are physician-facing and facilitate the physician workflow, but also patient-facing that you know, you have better integration, say, with your smartwatch or smart device and your uh, own um, patient chart. So uh, th those are emerging and, and are, you know, already starting to be available. Um, and again, back to processes, I think it, it's still going to be a process, even if we have all that, to make the actual backbone of the EHR uh, better to use. If, if you use the metaphor of like a smartphone and, and an app and an app store. Yes, there's an app store, but the smartphones are still light years ahead in terms of their usability to the EHR. So I think that some of that process for improving the user experience, um, you know, really still is going to require uh, a lot of careful work by both the vendor and um, healthcare systems on the implementation side to uh, improve the uh, usability of, of the actual, again, backbone of, of uh, whatever is placed on top of it. Now, looking forward five or so years, where do you think we'll be with regards to EHR usability? Five years, I think, might not be enough to really see major improvements. I'd like to say that uh, with, with these new standards and emerging technologies that we'll see disruption, um, I think that we'll probably start to see this disruption uh, in the next two to three years at some of uh, the more innovative places. I think it's going to take a while for it to, um, you know, really uh, diffuse out across the board. Uh, will we have an app store for, um, you know, apps that interface with uh, the EHR in five years? I think the answer is, is definitely yes. Um, will there be a lot of apps there? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, could it be something similar where there's a few that really, um, you know, really prove to be above and beyond their competitors and become the standard kind of like uh, we saw with, you know, the, the initial EHR vendors that have survived, you know, in terms of delivering functional, reliable products. Could there be, you know, the apps that are really the go-to apps? I think there's going to first be some competition in that market. And uh, I know of a lot of people and, and companies entering it, but in some ways, although competition is, is healthy and I think will breed innovation, it might also prove to make it kind of difficult because 
uh, different, um, you know, health systems or different doctors might use different apps and then it might add to this problem of not having uh, standardized simple uh, approaches to things. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that will be there and I think that there will probably be more uh, voice recognition and, um, you know, asynchronous scribing as well, but I, I would be reluctant to say it will be the standard in five years. Well, Ted, this is a really interesting topic and conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review us. You can also find us online at www.smarthcpodcast.com. We have a resources tab and I'm including a link to Ted's research there. If you want to follow Ted on Twitter, he's at Ted underscore Melnick. In addition, you can find us at Smart HC Podcast. Feel free to tweet me at KSusich, that's K-S-U-C-I-C-H, if you have any comments or guest suggestions. Thanks for joining us today.